Welcome to the Rise to the Challenge podcast. Joining me today, she's a speaker, author, TV host, producer, and animal rescue advocate. It's Gail Casper. How are you doing today, Gail? Uh, hi, I'm so excited <laughs> to be here. Thank you for having me. We're so excited to have you on the show to talk about your rise to the challenge. What we'd like to do with all of our guests is go right to the beginning. Talk about where you're from and what you like doing growing up. Philadelphia, born and raised in Philadelphia, and I loved as a kid to write scripts, um, get the neighborhood kids involved, to direct them, star in them. So I liked all the attention. (laughs) (laughs) There's no other way to say it. But yeah, that was my thing ever since I was a kid. When you were writing those scripts, was there any movies, TV shows that kind of were your inspiration when creating those scripts? You know, it's interesting because I don't remember that. And I don't remember the content of them. And I'm sure there were shows that, you know, that somehow modeled, you know, what I was writing, but I don't remember like what, what specific shows, you know, that, that might've triggered that. But it, I think it's, when I look back, I think it's really cool that I actually took the initiative to start writing scripts. And I was, I was young. I, I was really young. I had to be like nine years old when I was doing that. What did it teach you about yourself when creating those? Or even when you were gathering the neighborhood kids to perform or get together to do stuff with the script? Um, I'd say it taught me more today about who I am because I'm still in that world, meaning I'm still creating scripts. Um, I have a a new site that's out called mentalmighty.com, which is all about, you know, helping men get to the next level in their lives, whether it's relationships, life, career, whatever. And I add fun into that, some comedy into that. So it, it, it is a space that I love to be in. There's a creative element that I've had my whole life that has continued my entire life that is now. And it's probably one of the most exciting pieces of everything is when you see something when you're a child and you've now taken into your the rest of your life. It's, it's never gone. It's never been away from me. So I have real work. I have consulting work and business work and writing and being an author and all of those things. But by the same respect, you know, I have this whole separate space that I'm making my own party. You know, it's not about me getting on TV. It's not about me being part of a movie. It's about me creating my own. So, which is what I encourage others to do is always find those, those rocks that are part of themselves so that they can grow too. I love how you talked about how the stuff that you did as a child is still being incorporated to what you're doing today, where my dream was game show host, being on game shows and things like that. But I'm still having that way, what I'm creating now, that creativity I had back then, I get to fulfill that continuously now. And it just shows that it's always going to be in you, no matter what part of your life that you're in. The stuff that you did when you were younger, it's somehow going to come full circle where you are today. And what's important for people to hear when you say that is that if you have lost it, meaning you stopped doing that. Other responsibilities came into play. You, your full-time job was very different than who you were as a kid. You're married. You have kids. You've got to find a way to pull that back into your world. Even as a, it doesn't matter what part it is or how small or once a week, an hour a week. It doesn't matter. It's going to fulfill you. It's going to make you be at peace. And that's really what life is about. It's not about the big stuff. It's about being at peace. Growing up, did you have anyone in your life that was a huge motivator or inspiration for you? 
my father was my, um, every podcast I do, I, I just did one earlier today on sales and my father was a salesman, but my father, the essence of who he is was all about values and principles and doing the right thing. And I mean, he called anybody out on any of that. And, and some people didn't want to be around him, but they did want to be around him because when he would give you kudos, it mm-hmm. was real. It was genuine and you knew that you did something great. So my father is, is huge. I have a few books that are out that I have dedicated to him. I talk about him all the time as I'm doing right now. Um, yeah, he's a very big, was a very big part of my life and will forever be a part of my life. Is there like a quote line that he has stated to you that today you still remember in certain situations that deal with that? Yeah, like, don't be a stooge. (laughs) (laughs) Like, my dad would say it as it was. You know, you're doing this, you're doing that. They're taking advantage. Don't be a stooge. You know what I mean? Like, make the right decisions. Take care of you. Stand up for yourself where you have to. You know, um, and uh, one that's not as harsh um, (laughs) was speak up, Gail. You're not afraid to speak up. And that was from, again, when I was a child, he would say that to me. And of course, I was terrified to go to the teacher and say, hey, I, you know, took algebra in grade school. I I don't want to retake it in the ninth grade in in high school. My father said, go tell them. Like, basically, I was rewriting the rules for the school. You know, ninth grade, you were supposed to be taking algebra. but, But because I took it in grade school, they retested me. And I was actually in my sister's sophomore math class. That was because of my dad. You know, speak up, speak up, speak up. And when you think about it in life, the scariest things in life, whether it's speaking up or taking a risk or going after something, when you do them, they bring the greatest fulfillment, despite the outcome, good or bad. It's it's a positive thing for your life to take that risk. So the lesson he taught me um, has stayed with me forever. I love that, the whole speaking up, because I think... Some people are afraid because they're worried about what do other people think? And nowadays I live by say it how it is. Like if you believe something, say it and don't let people judge you because then you're not going to feel authentic and you're not going to be yourself. You're going to put on that fake persona just to please people. And people want to be friends with me. They're going to be friends with me for who I am, not who I'm not. Exactly, exactly. And that goes all the way down to the little tiny things to you see something wrong at work or something someone did to just say, hey, you know, to to alert them to it versus talk about them behind their back. I mean, there's just so many instances where people are not on the level. And it just it, it interferes with their lives and who they will become and the leader they could become. And it interferes with the other person's life, who they're talking about or not talking about. It's just, you're right. You're absolutely right. With everything that you do today, growing up, sometimes we're asked that fun question. What is that dream job? What was that dream job you wanted to do as you were growing up? I wanted to be an actress. (laughs) Kind of fits the theme. I wanted to be a star. (laughs) Yeah. Was there always that goal to head in a certain direction, maybe after high school, or did you kind of think, okay, I need to go to college. I need to kind of pursue an education because 
the TV or the acting world, it can be great once you make it, but it's hard to get into. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's interesting that you ask that because um, I had gotten a full four-year academic scholarship to Temple University. And at that point, I had transitioned the acting into becoming um, a television host and anchor to being a news anchor. And my father had said to me, are you sure you want to do that? Because it's a tough field to get into. And, you know, at first I'm like, yeah, I want to do it. I want to do it. And I went into my first semester and I I couldn't grasp college. I couldn't grasp, you know, the course itself. I figured, oh my God, my father's right. I'm going to fail. So I changed majors to what my dad suggested, which was computers, which, you know, is a great space to be in. If you're really into computers, (laughs) that's the world today. But I couldn't cut that. I'm like, I needed, like, I needed tutoring to get through computers. So I changed my major again to accounting and uh, changed my major again. And I just didn't know where I wanted to be, which gets back to the very beginning, which is follow your heart, follow that space in your heart and believe in yourself. So I dropped out of college after two years and moved to California to start a full-time job where I wasn't doing acting. I was just working all the time. I found my my space in uh, the business world, which is awesome, mm-hmm. but I never fulfilled that those dreams. And as you've seen, I've you know found come full circle to bring it back into my world. But you know it's it's tough when you're you have to make a decision for with your life. But what I tell people is to follow their heart. Follow what your passion is, no matter what the circumstance, because you have to answer to yourself in the end. And I have found repeatedly in life when people give me advice that's not great for me and I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have done it. They say, that's right. You shouldn't have. Why did you? And I would say what you suggested, (laughs) but they duck out of it. People will back out of the bad decisions that you've made with your life, even though they contributed to them. So it's so important that you stand up for yourself and you go after those dreams that you have. Did you know anyone in California or did you have, did you have that game plan? Like, I'm going to go here. I'm going to move into this, get an apartment, things like that. Or did you face challenges once you got into California? Yeah. My father had me set up with two different people to stay for two days each. And after those four days, I knew no one had no job, had no car, and had about $1,800 in my pocket. And that was it. I had to find a place to live. I had to figure out what job I was going to have quickly and um, get around by bus, which is very difficult in Los Angeles. So from the beginning, it was tough. My dad had said to me, yeah, Gail, I think, you know, he thought I was going to stay for three months for the summertime and be back. And I was there for five years. So I did again make my space into the business world and I stayed in that space when I was there, but it was, there was not, there's been nothing easy about my journey through life and getting to that next level or next tier. It's made me stronger. It's given me an incredible amount of confidence in terms of who I am and what I do and my ability to stand up for the right things for others as well as myself. But there's been like nothing that's come easy. You feel that, your dad putting you in that pressure has made you become a better version of yourself where giving you only those four days and thinking, making you think, is this the right step? But you talked about how you had that grit resilience where you were going to make it and you weren't going to let anything stop you. Do you feel that tough love was the perfect opportunity to really show your dad 
I can do this. It's interesting that you asked that question because when I went to California, it was like, okay, I'm here and I got to figure it out. It wasn't like, okay, I'm here. Oh no, this is scary. And I don't know anyone. I have to go home. Mm-hmm. It was, I'm here and I'm going to figure it out. So um, it, it, that was my mindset. I knew that my father had prepped me through life to, okay, you're going, go ahead and go. You know, you, you, you take it from here. You know, I, I wasn't in a spot, nor was my parents. Like I never faulted them. They didn't send me, you know, money and help out with yeah. things. That's that just is life. That's okay. Um, I was forced to figure those things out. And, and I did, you know, and it, it just gets back to uh, the more challenges you have in life. I think the, the more, you know, you're just going to figure out a way to make it happen, or you've got to suck it up and take the fall. That's life. You know, and and there will be people that will talk about it and there will be people that will support you. And like, that's that. That's the way it goes. Um, but yeah, my my father absolutely played a role in, you know, you, you go get them and go do it. You know, and I don't think there was anyone that more proud of me than my father, you know, because he probably saw a lot of himself, you know, in me. So that was, you know, that's great. During your time in California, when was that first big break for you, kind of in that media industry kind of aspect? Yeah, I didn't really have one. (laughs) (laughs) I started as a secretary in a real estate firm and found my niche in like that work. Like you give me a certain job and I'm good at it. Everyone wants to be good at what they're doing. Yep. I was good at my job. And then what happened is I I wanted to learn some of the other skills because they also had a newspaper and a graphic arts division and all of this. So I wanted to learn new skills. So I was not someone that was like, okay, well, hire me for the job and train me. No, I was the girl that was like, okay, I'm going to stay at night. I'm going to stay every night during the week. I'm going to learn the skills and then put me in the job. So I would create a space for myself no matter where I was. When I moved on to an organization after I came back from L.A., um, I did the same thing. You know, I took on more and more responsibility. I created a department that was never there. So in life, we can say, okay, you got to pay me for that. You got to pay me for that. You know, and you give me the job, then I'll do it. Or you can go out and you can make a name for yourself and earn that job yeah. and and then move forward. And I took that route and I wouldn't do any differently. I wouldn't be where I am or have accomplished what I've accomplished if I didn't have the initiative to just say, I'm just doing it. I'm just going to make it happen. So I'm a proponent of do, go after, fight for, show people what you can do, and then get the job. Did you ever think about getting into more in the real estate aspect, like working at the firm, like becoming a realtor, things like that? Or did you like those other jobs that helps within the company more? Yeah, I did get my real estate license in California. I actually have it in New Jersey as well. So I have my real estate license. I don't have it any longer in California, but I do have it in New Jersey. Um, I'm a big proponent in education. You Mm -hmm. know, it's uh, as far as actually doing the real estate sales, to me, everything is just, it needs time. Mm -hmm. Give it the effort, give it the time. And I didn't give it the time that it needed to see what it could be. Because could I do it? Absolutely. But again, you've got to have the patience to say, okay, it's going to be a slow grow. 
unless you know everybody, you know what I mean? And you can make some phone calls left and right, and you are the networker of the century, it's going to take some time. So you've just got to be willing to take those hills, you know? When did the first book come out? And what was the main mission that you were hoping readers were going to learn from it? First book was the first edition of Unstoppable, which had come out. And I want to backtrack for a moment because I went out to LA. I came back from LA and I ended up working inside a medical research company where I became a manager. They said, you've got to finish your degree to become a manager. I did became a manager. I was very traditional management, do the job, get it done. It was all about the task, not the people. Mm -hmm. But I took some leadership courses along the way in the midst of getting my degree. And I fell in love with the idea of helping my people achieve. Just the the difference in progressive management versus traditional management night and day and having your people on board and accepting the flaws with the with the strengths and, and kind of working together to help things grow. I've always been a speaker on some level. So it was at that point in my life, I went to a seminar and I saw this guy on the stage and he was a motivational speaker. And I said, I want to be him. So that was the first step in Gail really saying, okay, I guess I am going to be on stage, but in a different way. (laughs) And I'm going to be using my brain more. So I have, I had all these skill sets. I took them to a training organization and my goal there was to speak to groups that would then enroll in their training classes. Well, they didn't want me to do as much of that. I started doing some of that. They didn't want as much of that. They wanted me to cold call, which I was not exactly there for. I wanted to be more on my feet. But one of the companies I cold called was America's TV Job Network. And I set up a meeting to talk to them about training. When I went in to talk to them about training, they said, we're not hiring any trainers. We're reformatting our TV show. We're looking for hosts. And I said, what about me? I had no experience in television hosting. So why I said that, Alex, I have no idea, but I did. And the guy said, look, we really need to have somebody with experience, you know, so we're we're kind of looking. But for three months, every day, I was back on their doorstep. I wanted to be the first person in their mind in the morning, the last person at night. I wanted that job. And at the end of the three months, the head guy, the executive producer said, I'm sorry, Gail, but we need to have somebody with experience. We're holding auditions next week. And I had tears in my eyes. I remember those moments, but I said, I'll see you at those auditions. I went to the audition. I felt like an idiot because I'm standing around all these people that have had training and everything else, um, did the audition. But for the next two years, I was the co-host of America's TV Job Network. And a few things I learned from that is obviously like I came full circle to be on television was my thing to be an anchor was my thing. That's where I wanted to be more than anything. It was my dream, that piece of it. And always, always finish what you start. Yep. Finish what, no matter how stupid you feel, because I'll tell you something, I, I was there every day for three months. I felt like an idiot at the end of the three months when he's like, sorry, Gail, we're going to hire somebody else. We're holding auditions. And I still said, I'll see you at those auditions. Went to the auditions, cried all the way home. It was just, I felt so foolish, 
But in the end, it just shows you that you don't really know what that outcome is going to be if you don't finish those things that you start. You've got to finish them. You've got to see what you're capable of becoming. So um, I forget your initial question, but I was leading somewhere. With <laughs> <laughs> but I love how even with the, it kind of shows nowadays, it, even if you don't have experience, it doesn't mean you can't do something. And maybe if like for TV, if you don't have that experience, you might find a way to learn. And this is the age of, you have so many different access to things to help you learn even more. Videos, courses, podcasts, all these different things that if you say, well, I don't know anything about this, you got the wide world web to learn. And it just shows you, we kind of talked about earlier, grit, resiliency that you had to tell these people that just because you're telling me no, doesn't mean I'm not going to try. And I love that because it kind of just talks about you rose to the challenge. Those people gave you that challenge and you earned that spot to be on that co or the co-host of that network. Thank you. Thank you very much. That means a lot. It really does. Um, I look back on some of the things that I've done like that and it does always get back to you are taking a big risk. You're putting yourself out there and you just got to do it. You have to see it to the end. So. And that was leading into how did you start your first book? Okay. All right. So now I really, all right. So uh, now I'm doing some TV. I'm in this speaking world. I did eventually go out on my own in terms of the speaking world. So that was starting from scratch. I pretty much got fired from the speaking company. Oh. <laughs> if we're going to be honest, <laughs> fired. Um, they had, when I started the TV show, it taped like once a month. So mm -hmm. it was really like no time. It wasn't like it was taking away from my job. But I didn't tell anybody at the training company because they were discouraging the speaking and discouraging Gail kind of growing. So I don't want to say anything. I knew it's on TV. They're going to yeah. eventually see it. It's going to happen. You can't hide it. <laughs> and somebody in one of the classes, one of the teachers had said to me, oh, I saw you on TV on Sunday. And I said, look, I really don't get into that here. You know, I don't because it's, you know, I don't want it to mix with my job. And he told my boss. So the, the police, the training police told my boss <laughs> and, and he just wasn't comfortable with me being there anymore for that reason. And I didn't understand it, but okay. So I was on my own overnight, uh, started my business with unemployment, had one client that paid me $500. I think in my first year of business, I made $17,000 for the full year and just built that one client who was ADT security services into training smaller groups, bigger groups, the entire office, and then was referred to multiple offices because of my success with sales. So it just grew and grew and grew and grew by referral. So I was blessed in that way for that to happen. And you know, the idea of unstoppable, which is all about being logical versus emotional, was how I lived my life and accomplished my goals. I mean, you mm -hmm. can't let that emotion creep in like, oh, my God, I'm making a fool of myself. Oh, my God, I'm facing rejection. Oh, my God, you know, I, it's the feelings that the emotions that stop you from moving forward. And my book is all about being logical, taking the steps. OK, you have fear, whatever. Put it aside write down the plan and keep moving. And that's how Unstoppable evolved. It's all about the systematic attitude development technique. And um, it has since become last year a TEDx talk 
How Do You Achieve Your Fire? And uh, that was added to the book to become the second edition, which is now the book that's out right now. So um, it is, it's how do you figure out, who, you know, where your passion is, getting that passion, achieving that passion, and then how do you take the steps to get there? Those logical steps, not the emotional steps so that you achieve. Is there a review or a fan that has read your book that kind their message on what they learned from it that has hit you personally, where it means so much that they were able to understand what your mission was with the book or how they were able to reflect it in their lives? Well, there are a few testimonials at the beginning. Uh, Princel Hare is one of them. Kurt Marvis is another one. Uh, two mentors of mine that I even write about at the beginning of the book. And you never really know what someone thinks about you. You know what I mean? Until they do read your book and then they start to Mm -hmm. write what that testimonial is going to be. And it's, I'm just so honored by their thoughts, you know, their recognition of my personality to, to fight, to push forward, to persist, to achieve to expose my challenges and weaknesses at the same time, you know, to be able to be that honest with myself. And those are the things that genuine and real and honest are just the things that mean the most to me, you know, real, I'm, I'm all about, I cannot do fake. Oh my God, I can't do fake. If you paid me to do fake, I can't do fake. I can't be around people. I don't want to be, you know, you know, right off the bat that I don't want to be there. And my family knows it too. My brother and sister would be the first to say it. You show your feelings. I show my feelings. It's just because I want real. You know, I'd rather live in honesty, regardless of what those, that feedback is or the comments are than this fake world. You've had the opportunity to be on certain segments, on certain TV shows. Is there been any that have been memorable for you? Hmm. Well, Raw Reality was a late night show I did in Philadelphia. And I mean, obviously, I loved it. it, CW11 um, in New York was, again, a huge honor for me because they would bring me back over and over again. And when people find that value in in you, you just, God, you you know what I mean? You just, you never want to say no to it and you can't wait to go back again. So those types of things are, are like I said, I'll never forget that. Um, to have been mentioned by Kelly on um, Kelly and Regis, oh. you know, where I was participating in the Wilhelmina Hot Body competition, and Kelly, yeah, I wasn't there, but they saw the article in the New York um, New York uh, Daily News, and you know, Kelly was remarking, "Oh, can you believe her? She put her, she put." her head on my body. (laughs) (laughs) That was the big joke between us. Um, So those things that came over, you're like, what? A friend of mine called me and said, you were just on Kelly and Regis. I'm like, what What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) But raw reality was incredible. And John Gorcho, I have to thank him for that. You know, he ran the, the network. He gave me a chance with my own show. Um, I wrote the scripts, I put the team together, I produced it, I hosted it. It was just uh, living my dream, 
the fulfillment of my dream. It was just remarkable. And from that, I had the opportunity to, to like be the Philadelphia host for the, you go inside the hotels in Philly, Philly vision. I'm telling people about the city. I mean, and long-term friends, Matt Radico, uh, Richie Glassman, that forever will be in my heart. People that you meet that are just forever a part of you. And what you learn is that it's not the magnitude of the experience. It's not that it's national. It's not that it's it's so big and, and looked at by millions of people. It's the people that surround you as you do it and the enjoyment that you really find in doing a good job. Looking at a fun aspect, is there a TV show, a type of show, a series that you would love that opportunity to host? You never know what can happen, but is there a certain style that you talked about how you created a script and you kind of produce? Is there something that is maybe in the future that you're hoping to get a part of? I always am. I would love for someone to recognize and see my work. Um, something like a Saturday Night Live okay. would be a an absolute, you know, getting the chance to play some characters, have some fun, um, poke some fun, you know, <laughs> either, either either Ed myself or someone else in good, good humor. But in, in, in like a Chelsea Handler when she had her late night show, that type mm-hmm. of show. there will always be an actress inside of me. So whenever I'm hosting, I want to be able to incorporate pieces of that into the mix. So I'll always have that as part of me. As a producer, how far in the future are you planning for certain concepts and things? Uh, Well, right now, my one project that I'm working on actually there's two different projects. One is in a baby stage right now. So it's, it's got to take those next steps. And the other one, it's, you know, a few months out, I would say that it's, it's, there's material and work that's being written for it. Mm -hmm. So um, you're always in those planning stages. And I think you're always producing because you're coming up with different material. Cause even today, social media, they have tons of skits and sketches that are, happening there and it's the same with me what else am I going to put out there what's coming next so I I think I'm constantly in that creative mode I love it I love to be in that space and come up with material so in comedy it seems to be the direction I like to go have that fun (laughs) earlier you talked about what you currently are doing with men almighty or men of mighty or men almighty men of mighty what made you want to get involved in that and what has been the impact that that has had with men that you have been helping or the people that you've been working with? Oh, thank you for asking about that because um, men are a passion of mine in, in a way that number one, I have a brother who went through a terrible divorce and, you know, who was just trying to do the right thing. And we're caught in this world, meaning men and women. Women are the girl bosses. Guys are now changing their role a little bit. And I, I'm i not a big believer in the girl boss. I'm a believer in doing. I'm a believer in focusing. I'm a believer in achieving. I'm a believer in you go after it. Meaning that no matter where I've been in life, there's been something that has stumped me. I've had my share of men that have taken me to dinner to just sleep with me. You know, when I was looking for a contract, I've had my share of situations where a high level executive said to me, I won't bring a woman in front of the guys. I have had my scenarios, but the reality too, is that in that whole world, men have still helped me more than women. 
Mm-hmm. Men have been my proponent. And so between my brother and my belief in men and all that's going on with the drama between men and women today, I wanted to provide them with tools that would keep them on track for them to achieve their goals, career, life, fitness, relationship, whatever it is, where I play the part of the guide. So I'm not there to like say, hey, this is what you need to do, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to be guide a guide. So I want them to be in a spot to take the power back that they really always have had, but to bring it to the forefront once again. So that's the idea behind Men Almighty. And it is just starting. It's about a month in. So um, we I do offer a free trial membership for the first 30 days so that you can sign up and get a feel for what the site is all about. It is very much like a maxim. So it's, I'm, tr- I'm trying to be very sneaky here, Alex, <laughs> in with a little bit of sexy and then hit them over the head with some good ideas and good information that will keep them coming back. So it's a combination of the two. Do you feel you get to bring out your creative side with this company or in this yes. involvement? Yeah, I definitely do. I definitely do. Um, because men almighty now I'm connecting it to the whole idea of heaven and, you know, just I don't want to tell you because I want to show you when, when it's <laughs> like I've got some, some footage that's going to be coming out soon that, you know, I want you to be able to experience it and experience the, the fun part of it, which is what I'm also trying to bring into the site. You know, I want guys to have some fun there. So it's not all learning. It's fun. It's interesting. It's sexy. It's a little bit of everything. We've been on your life journey so far, but let's talk about maybe some things that listeners may not know about you. When Gail is not working, what does Gail like to do for fun? Oh, dear God. Everybody (laughs) would say Gail is always working. (laughs) (laughs) Always working. Um, What I really, because I do obviously have the opportunity to travel just with my work. So I'm not big into, oh, let me take off and, you know, go to the islands. And and I don't know that I would know what to do with myself for a couple of days. (laughs) You know, well, you want to do that. You want to be with some people or a person that you just really want to be with. So they get to just go to go. I can't do it. I can't do it. You know, I can't (laughs) pretend. I can't pretend. Um. But this is this is a fun part of the interview interview. I I love to go to dinners, you know, even if it's something simple like a good bar food somewhere or brewery, something like that. Chill and relax. And occasionally I will bring some work with me. Um, (laughs) I can't get away from it. Just hang out a little bit. I mean, I think that's one of my most fun things to do. I miss going to movies. I haven't been there in a while, but I love the idea of, you know, not being on a diet and sitting there and having popcorn and, you know, just enjoying. Um, I do like to go to the gym. I prefer to be there with my trainer because then I'm the most disciplined in getting <laughs> the job done and I'm in and I'm, and I'm out. Um, I don't know. I'm pretty simple. You know, I'm, I'm not a, I, I like to watch a good movie sometimes at night and chill. I really do enjoy that with television. Sometimes I will watch the same movies over again, just because, you know, I, I feel good watching them. So, so that's, uh, that's it. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Even when you say watching the same movies or shows over, I do the same thing because it's like, you're like escaping in a way, even though you may know what's already going to happen. You can still sit there for the hour, two hours and just enjoy and relax. And that's the important part is you want to be able to find that 
me time and just have fun nowadays. Yeah, it's so funny because I forget what movie I was watching the other night because I've watched a couple of them, but one of them had like a was getting to a bad part in the movie, like, and I was thinking, man, I wish they could change the script right now because <laughs> <laughs> they knew what was going to happen, and I'm like, damn it. <laughs> so, but yeah, I totally get what you're saying. I agree. The final question I'll ask you for someone that's listening to this interview based on your journey and experience, what tips or advice would you give them to overcome obstacles, accomplish their goals and rise to the challenge? I'd say first and foremost, be very clear on what you want to accomplish and what you want to do. Second, believe in yourself. Don't doubt you not for a moment. Number three, establish and have some mentors that have been through that journey that can save you time, effort, money, um, and can also tell you that, you know, you're, you, you don't feel like you're going anywhere. You're not, but it does take that kind of time. So don't rush it and, you know, continue to take the steps. Do not deviate from the path. The most successful people I have met, despite how small they might have started, became big because they went the distance. They did not stop that path. So believe in yourself and just keep going. Well, Gail, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about your rise to the challenge. You're inspiring so many people, and we are excited to see what the future looks like for you. Thank you. Me too. But (laughs) thank you so much for having me, Alex. And Thank you to all those that are listening today. I really do appreciate it. It's been great to be here. Tune in next time. Hear my next guest talk about their rise to the challenge. Remember to follow, subscribe on all major audio platforms. And make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel through the full-length episode and video format. What path do you take to accomplish your goals? You decide.